If you would, take a songbook and turn to number 516. That's going to be our hymn study for tonight. We're going to talk about a little bit about the, the author of this song and, and the history behind it. And then we'll get into the song. This song was written by Arabella Catherine Hankey. She lived between, she wrote song between 1865 and 1866. As a result of a serious illness, she was required to be confined to bed for a full year. And to, to, to occupy her time, she wrote this over the year with a hundred different verses. It started out with the story wanted. And so she was looking for, for the idea of the telling of the story. And as she closed out that hundred verses, she says that the story is now told. So it's important for us to recognize that, that for us, the story has been told. And so we recognize that this man by the name of William Gustavius Fisher, there are other songs in our book that have been composed with music by him, Son of a German immigrant, uh, Fisher showed musical ability when he was very young. When at the age of eight years old, he began singing in a German church in Baltimore. He learned to read music in a church singing class and afterwards studied piano organ. He learned bookbinding at J.B. Leppincott's in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but spent his evening studying and practicing music. When we think about this song, and we recognize that it comes from a, a poem of a hundred verses. We wonder just how did it get to be that, that this man, William Fisher, put it to music. Well, actually, this song was put to music before that, but it was, but it was by a man by the name of William Doan. We have other songs in our, our songbook by him as well. And as a result of a sermon that was being preached by a man by the name of Major General Russell, and as he closed his sermon, In 1867, he did so by reading this poem. And as a result, Mr. Doan decided that he would take part of that. And if in your book you'll look later uh, in further numbers, tell me the old, old story. It was not until 1867 that Mr. Fisher decided to take parts of that poem and write the tune hanky after the, the writer of the poem. Thus we have what we have come to love as I love to tell the story. Tonight we've been singing songs that I believe just go wonderfully with the thought that we are, we're talking about tonight in in this particular song. So let's just look, if you will, at at this song and, and think about what it really says. I love to tell the story. When you hear sermons like we've heard this morning and as you hear every Every Lord's Day in this, in this building, you should get the sense that there is a story that must be told. And we're the ones, we're the ones that the true story is going to get out. We're the ones that's going to have to tell it. So I love to tell the story. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17, this is what I teach everywhere in every church, the story. And it's a story of unseen things. It's a story about things that we are unable to see only with our mind's eye. The Hebrew writer would say in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So so when Miss Hankey wrote this song, she understood the concept 
of what she was writing about, a story that, that we don't really see. You know, we've never seen Jesus. We never, we've never seen His true glory except in the Word. John chapter 17 and verse 5, He asked the Father to glorify Me as I have glorified Thee with the glory that, that I had before I left You, to paraphrase that particular verse, of Jesus and His love. That first verse goes on to say, in John chapter 15 and verse 13, He says, Greater love hath no man than this, but that He lay down His life for His friends. I love to tell the story because, because I know it's true. In John chapter 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. In chapter 17 and verse 17, John would write the words of Jesus, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It's important for us to recognize then that, that it, that it's by the word of truth, Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 7, that we get to know all about God and Christ. Because it is only in that true word that we find satisfaction for our longings. There's nothing else can do that. I love to tell the story. Verse 2 goes on to say, and Paul would tell the young man Timothy in Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, he'd say, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. Now watch him. Who shall be able to tell the story also. Well, that's not really what the Scripture says, but, but the meaning is there. In chapter 4 and verse 2, he would say, preach the Word. Be ready when people like it and when people don't. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. It's pleasant, he says, or she says, it's pleasant to repeat. Paul understood that when he wrote to the Corinthian brethren again in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2. He said, when I came to you, I came not with wisdom of man's words, but I would preach unto you the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the story. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's pleasant to repeat. As long as we keep people aware of, of this, this message, this story that, that we have in Scripture, it will become where it seems every time we repeat it, it will be more wonderfully sweet. And it isn't that what we really want. We want a story that, that, that tells us something that's really, really sweet. She goes on to say, I love to tell the story, for some have never heard. In the early first century, after the church was established, in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, it says, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the gospel. Why? Because people hadn't heard. Today there are those who may be sitting in church buildings, much like where we are tonight, who are hearing a message, but it is not the whole story. It's not the complete story. It's not the full story. Some have never heard the true message of salvation. They hear bits and pieces, and, and they're, they're pretending to be saved on the basis of a partial story. This message of salvation comes only from God's holy word. Paul would write in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, For I am not. Do you get this? Listen closely. Because if we're saying, I love to tell the story, and we're going to sing that in a little bit, and I believe that, that, that the volume and, and the character of the singing that we're going to do in that song is going to be wonderful. But Paul would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
And then he would say, verse 17, for therein, therein this wonderful story that we so love to tell, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The message from God's holy word is a story that we must come to love to tell. Everyone that we have an opportunity to talk to. Verse 3 says, I love to tell the story for those who know it best. No, that's us. That's those of us. At one time, people in the church of Christ were attributed with knowing the Bible. When people would talk to those who were Christians, book, chapter, and verse would come forth as, as an answer to, to doctrine. When Bible questions were answered, Christians knew where to go to be able to deliver that message. And so we find in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? Because that's what we do. We love this story and and we hunger and thirst for more and more and more. That's the reason we say to our preachers, preach the word. Preach the truth. Tell us the story. For we shall be filled. If you're not filled by listening to this wonderful, wonderful story, it's because you're not drinking it in. As we sang in this song a while ago, Oh, fill my cup. Let it overflow. You know, we we should be like the old song, I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup is overflowed. We should be overflowing with stories so that we are able to pour it out and, and, and use it to help others to come to know the Lord. And when... And when in scenes of glory, I sing the new new song. Romans chapter five, Revelation chapter five, and verse nine says, "We'll sing a new song. We'll sing a song that's going to be different than anything we've ever heard, anything we know in this life. But it's still going to be the old old story that I have loved so long." Let me ask you tonight. Before I get into the course, I just want you to ask yourself. And folks, there's no more serious question than, than has ever been asked than this one. Do you love the story? Do you love to tell the story? Better yet, do you love to live the story? The course goes on to say, I love to tell the story. It will be my theme in glory. I think I understand the message that Miss Hankey is writing about here. She's writing about when we get on the other side of this life. But I'd like you to think about something else. A sermon that I preached here two or three years ago, From Glory to Glory. We're a people that's created in the image of God. As human beings, in Genesis chapter 1, we are created in that image of God. And sin came along in Genesis chapter 3, and since then, every person has been touched by sin to separate us from God. And when we hear this story that others love to tell us so so wonderfully, we have the opportunity to change our life and be restored to not the physical glory that we had, for we still have that, but to a spiritual glory. And so while we're in this spiritual glory, while here we love to tell the story. 
Because it is the old, old story of Jesus and His love. When we think about that, sometimes we get tired of the same old story. We meet people who will tell us the same story over and over and over again. And pretty soon we get to the point where, yeah, I just don't want to hear that anymore. And so what we'll do is we'll quit going around those kind of people. We'll quit listening to those kinds of stories. But folks, this is a story. This is a story that we should never, ever tire of. This is a story that should be fresh in our minds and on our lips all the time. Peter would say that when you meet those who are going to ask you about spiritual things, be ready to give an answer. Folks, the answer is the old, old story. Sometimes we'll see a license plate on on the front of a car that Jesus is the answer. I once asked a man who was driving a car that had that plate, I said, if Jesus is the answer, then what's the question? What would you think the question would be? When it comes to spiritual things, it doesn't matter. Jesus is always the answer to spiritual questions. So we need to love to tell the story of Jesus and His love. When we can do that, when we can do that, then there will be those who will listen. It may take a while to find them. But there will be those who will listen. Tonight there may be those sitting in the audience who are not children of God, who have heard the story over and over and over again and might be thinking, you know, I just wish you'd quit telling that story. When I get old enough, I won't be showing up here anymore. Don't be that way. Grow to love the story. Obey the story. But the story is because the story is about your salvation. It's about my salvation. It's about being what God wants us to be the way God wants us to be it. So tonight, if, if you're not a Christian, obey the old, old story. And if you are a Christian and you've not been living as you ought to be living, then just consider that you, that you are in danger as much as the person who never obeyed the gospel. So if you need tonight to obey the gospel to become a Christian, or you need to be restored in your faith to the old, old story, won't you do so while together we stand and while we sing?